Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Crayhorn Pagan Podcast. I am here today with Raven Wolfgar, and we will be talking about everything Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role-playing. Raven, how about you introduce yourself to everyone listening? Uh, Yeah, for those just meeting me, I'm Raven Wolfgar. I do have a channel on YouTube, BitChute, CloudHub, Rumble, and Odyssey. That is, uh, I do Monday to Friday, uh, tarot readings, oracles, runes, the entire works. Uh, that is among one of my passions. And my other, uh, besides besides divination and cardomancy, obviously, uh, tabletop role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons, something I just kind of kind of grew up on and i'll explain that in a bit but uh yeah also part of the tribe of the great word pagans and uh pharmacy tech by trade so i get to mess with i'm essentially what is a modern day sorcerer ah nice nice okay um yeah you already briefly mentioned it uh you grew up with tabletop role-playing dungeons and dragons um how did that all start for you how did you first get in contact with it uh actually i didn't i didn't get my start with uh dungeons and dragons because at the time when i was uh when i was a kid we're talking in the i don't know early to mid 1980s the satanic panic was just getting underway i grew up in a small I'm talking a small southern town of about 2,000 people, maybe a little more. And I'll put it this way. We had maybe like one or two stoplights in the town I grew up in. And uh, due to the hysteria in the media, Dungeons and Dragons was off limits to me. Like, you couldn't get it. There were no bookstores in town you could get it. Um, In fact, if you wanted to get your hands on it, you had to go 45 minutes out of town uh to a place called lake charles and you could get it there but the <laughs> trick was number one getting it and number two hiding it <laughs> so if you're with your parents they're always looking at what you're buying if you're buying especially if you're buying it with your own money that that was just kind of out yeah. of the uh out of the question but i actually got started one year when my mom got me uh hero quest the uh, board game which is which is essentially this without this and what that means is it has its own rules you do have like one person who sets up the entire thing and then the players take on like pre-made characters and they have these little miniatures that they move around the board uh dice are rolled you know to determine attacks defenses and um you know you basically it's basically one big dungeon crawl without the role-playing aspect involved and later on uh, another friend of mine who lived in lake charles who would come down every so often came along with a book called gurps which was written by steve jackson's generic universal role-playing system at first we had a we had a hard time really navigating it but once we once we started understanding it a little better because this book got passed around like a lot once we understood it, we just took the Hero Quest game I had and the game he had, we combined them, and we made our own version of Dungeons and Dragons. And it was still uh, basically 
you know, the, the dungeon crawl was like the later part of the game. The meeting in towns and that sort of thing was the first part of the game. So when we got into Intro to Dungeons & Dragons or First Quest, that was where we really, you know, we, we were walking into familiar territory by that time. We were like, and we opened yeah. that box and we found the same, the little hero miniatures were the exact same miniatures that, was, that were in my Hero Quest game. And I was like, okay, I still have some unbroken um like villain pieces we could still use so then we combined those two things and just you know had a blast we had a great time that was really my uh that's really how i got introduced into it but you had to be careful who you invited to the table because if you invited the wrong person that person would just blab it all over town next thing you know the rumors got out of control that's yeah, that's how I learned the, the hard uh, way. Yeah, especially in the, the smaller towns, word gets around. Oh yeah, so oh, fast, yeah. and especially during the uh, the satanic panic. Like I'm I'm I haven't lived through that age, uh, fortunately enough. Um, I'm a I'm a '90s kid, um, but I I can imagine um, from a more religious perspective how games like Dungeons and Dragons uh, could be seen as bad or evil or whatever. Um, although they, if anything, they just promote creativity and storytelling. And I mean, I don't see how that could be a bad thing, but hey, that's that's just me. That's why I'm a uh, <laughs> or pagan, not a, not a Christian or, uh, or a Catholic or whatever. Where the where the real trouble began though was, and I'm I'm going to admit this, I'm a huge dumbass, and I say that because I, especially if I know someone's lying about something, I don't allow them to lie, especially if okay. I'm present. So if yeah. I know something they don't, I'm going to say it. And it was my, um, you know, I mean, for years there was this fear campaign and i'm i'm gonna tell you at first I, I was scared to death of that game i was like looking at it like i'd look at a horror movie just yeah you know just staring at it and i'm like how can how can anyone crack open one of these books and then when you know we started making our own and then of course you know our friend nick comes over dude look what i got bang lays it on the table i'm like Ooh. and by that time we're already listening to metal so i'm like Okay, well, they were obviously lying to me about metal. Let's let's see let's see what's going on here. And we played uh, we played over the summer, the entire summer we played. And when I get back to catechism class, they started in on that, and I went, "That's total garbage." Mm -hmm. And you know, my catechism teacher just stops, and everybody's looking at me, and I'm like, "That's a lie. That is, I've been playing it for three months, and you have been lying to us the whole time, and mm -hmm. now it's a." Uh, it's yeah. this and yeah. you know i'm not gonna let someone back me out or anything like that it turned it it turned kind of ugly that night especially when she looked at me she goes never <laughs> again and i went i'm playing this saturday she's like no you're not i was like i'd like to see you stop me and now it's more accusations it's more you're complete full you're completely full of shit and yeah. word spread through that high school like wildfire and i was like <laughs> How the uh, fuck does this happen? You know, you're going to church with a devil worshiper? Are you fucking serious? You know, and 
yeah, it, it just escalated from there because I wouldn't back down. And, yeah. you know, just kind of cutting through the long and short of it, you know, through all the verbal and physical abuse I suffered. Well, I got to tell you, the, the whole thing was designed to get me to stop. And uh, guess what? I won. I'm still playing. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's, no, no, there's no victims whether whether they're physical scars or mental scars or whatever, there's no victim on the other end of this. I won, so uh, yeah, you you had to endure some uh, some shit, but in the end, you uh, you did win That's for it, sure. Yeah. And uh, just on the on the topic of metal, like, did you also listen to um, like the power metal bands like talking about dragons and fighting the fighting all those mythical creatures and whatever? Like, I, I know it's um in the metal community you know power metal or whatever it's it's kind of looked down upon but yeah if we're t if we're talking like i got my start listening to whatever whatever you know hard rock was on the radio so you know poison def leopard i'm still a huge def leopard fan um yeah. guns and roses uh skid row and it it got hard you know the the taste of music got harder so we shifted from that to metallica megadeth anthrax slayer um later oh, on you, some death yeah. metal but i eventually did discover like mana war and dragon force which you know that they're kind of recent within the past uh 10 20 years or so but yeah, yeah i like when those power metal bands especially warlock when i discovered warlock i was like this is like dungeons and dragons in musical form <laughs> i love this shit <laughs> holy fuck yeah this is yeah. amazing yeah i did i did i discovered those bands any band that had a like a like a fan a, i'll put it to you this way this way meatloaf bad out of hell too was very tempting mm -hmm. to buy at one point but um you know I, he musically he wasn't really my style so i heard him and i was like okay i'll i'll take a pass on that it's not really my my thing but he did have some amazing album covers and drawn by these yeah. fantasy artists, you know, like Frank yeah, Rosetta, was... Boris Vallejo, you know, just great yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I, w I was just thinking that, you know, back in the day when you still had to go by um, how the album cover looked like or how, how badass the name sound is. Um, oh, you yeah. know, we didn't, we didn't have YouTube or any of those porn sites or whatever where you just you know listen to a song oh, no, or just download something and if you don't like it well you don't like it you delete it like if you bought an album you were stuck with it like it was it was hit or miss <laughs> yeah like I'll, I'll be honest with you typo like uh my friend's taste got harder mine got <laughs> darker so i like they went off into like um like six feet under and cannibal corpse and i love the band uh, napalm yeah, death yeah, was yeah. another one of my favorites um yeah. but they were into like pantera and those kinds of bands and don't get me wrong i was too but i ve i veered off into like marilyn manson and um of course anything that became taboo to the to the fundamentalists in my area i was like that's what i want to go for you know, you make it taboo, I'm going to make it my source of entertainment. So I went toward like Marilyn Manson and, um, oh man, who else? Uh, Rob, like White Zombie, Rob Zombie, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Typo Negative. Typo Negative actually kind of had to grow on me a little bit. Sisters of Mercy did. Cradle of Filth was like, an, that was instant to me. I love that. Mm -hmm. Black Funeral. 
I was actually listening to black metal before I understood what the hell it was. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, I thought yeah. these were just underground death metal bands. I had no idea. I was like, why is that dude screaming at the top of his I, voice? Jeez. And I can, then someone I, finally I see explained would, to me what the difference was. Yeah, no, I can see how you would think that. Um, so the, your first experience with, um, you know, the, uh, like the, the kind of punishment for playing Dungeons and Dragons and just going against it, that really um, became a staple for you, just fighting against the establishment yeah. and well like it, it if, was, if they if they tell was, me not to i am yeah well what it was was they told me no for so long and they made mm -hmm. all these claims and then i discovered they were lying and, yeah. and when it then it became then it clicked and it said i was like okay well if they're lying to me about this what else are they lying to me about and that's when every time they made something taboo i was like Need to check that out. Thanks for the recommendation. So, yeah, um, you know, when I saw something freakish and weird on something like MTV, I was like, mm, I might want to check that out before they ban it. And like I always when they, would. They have music. Oh yeah, like <laughs> I, I actually, I actually found Marilyn Manson before the Fundamentalists did. The Fundamentalists yeah. found out about him around like Antichrist Superstar and Smells mm. Like Children. I found him at Portrait of an American Family. So I I was like, that's something I need to check out before they put they put the band hammer down on it. And believe it or not, it was just one of one of the one of our friends in one of our neighborhoods brought something like this over, which is one of these little box sets. And we laid it out and we played it and I was like this is a game of mythological heroes and villains, uh, good overcoming evil, uh, having to use your mind in order to keep your keep your ass alive. Where's the problem? And some of the claims were so ridiculous. Like, well, you know, one of the, one time we took one of these little miniatures and threw it into a fire, and you could hear the soul and in, in, that was trapped inside screaming. And I'm like. Makes for uh, makes for a good scary story, and it ma yeah, when you don't know any better, it makes for a great <laughs> scary story. For and, sure. But by the time you by the time you know better, you're just like you can't have a PhD and be this fucking retarded. Are you kidding me? So well, you know, if you look at really nowadays, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right? But the taboo is what ended up becoming the draw because. They spent so much time lying that I was like, there, there's there's no way this can be real. There, there's no way, like half the claim, uh, actually three quarters of the claims got debunked right then and there on the first session. Uh, the rest, when it came to like, it teaches you spells and things like that. And I'm like, you know, you can look through anything like, uh, for example, this uh, player's handbook here, mm -hmm. when you go to just the section on spells themselves uh it, it what they what they talk about makes no sense like um for ex example they have like these uh uh stunning strikes starting at fifth level you can interfere with the flow of key in an opponent's body when you hit another creature with a melee weapon attack you can spend one key point to attempt a stunning strike the target must succeed on a constitution saving throw basically i roll for an attack, I spend a point somewhere, 
then you have to roll to counter, and if your roll is unsuccessful, the character that you play is now stunned, which means there's not much they can do. And that's really that's sort really of the extent of the the extent of the spell casting here. And I'm like, eh, well, yeah. okay, so here, so here's, satanic, so occult, so right. dangerous. Uh, like we didn't draw any pentagrams. We're not floating. We're not going <laughs> by the Lord, by the dark lord. You know, we're not doing any of that. You know, we're not pulling uh, '90s level Undertaker shit here. It's just. Uh, well, at least the Undertaker's badass, you know? <laughs> there is that, yeah. And I mean, even during his recent Hall of Fame induction speech, he was like, you know, mentioning his wife wanted to take him to church. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I go in there, I'm going to have lightning bolts thrown at me. <laughs> she was I like, haven't seen don't be church. stupid. Oh, it was great. He, he he mentioned that, and she he said, uh, she looked at him and went, don't be stupid. And he said, she still made me sit on the other side of the church just to be sure. <laughs> oh, man. Right. A fantasy RPG in, like, the um, the world of the, the Undertaker, that would be that would be awesome, I think. You know, because oh. he, he would be a like high-level, high-powered, undead magician or whatever. Well, I think I think if you like, if I had to put him into a game, as a as a dungeon master, if I were to, you know, kind of stat block him as a character, mm -hmm. uh, he would be he would be a very effective, you know, evil sorcerer. But at the same time, he'd make a great neutral character. He's had both, you know, uh, face runs. He's had uh, heel runs. Um, I think personally, I think he's worked a little better as a heel, but you can't deny like his body of work inside that ring has mm. been amazing. The the, sto the kinds of stories that he's told, like his Lord of Darkness persona was one of my favorites, even though he hates that era of uh, his career. I loved it. I thought it was great because it was so dark. It was so over the top that I was like, I could I could put that into a game. And he would be like very difficult to defeat. I just can't pull that higher power into it because <laughs> nobody nobody wants to see Vince McMahon unhood himself. Uh, ah, it was me all along. Ha ha ha. You know, nobody wants to see that. But no, to see like besides but to see like Vince himself, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. Egomaniac <laughs> he could be. But like Elements of that would be really awesome. Like you have, um, you know, he he's not inside your village. He's operating from outside of it. And then every so often you see his, you know, his sigil with some poor villager crucified upon it, you know, hung up and hung up in the town square or something like that. Just, just terrorizing and horrifying people. And this acolytes coming, you know, and occasionally raiding or something like that. That would make an interesting plot for the characters to take part in when they get to town and they see like they're just taking someone down and they're like wait what the hell's going on here and they meet they have that meeting about this this powerful evil you know dark lord that's just you know terrorizing them 
you know, there's there's a good target for an adventure right there, and it can stretch on for months if you want it to. Oh, and yeah, when you for meet sure. him, you know, when you meet him, it's it's like one little thing here, one little encounter there. You know, a year later, you have it to where like there's nowhere for heroes or villain to run. This is going to be the epic showdown. It it makes for a great build up. Would that be something that you could, um, like you could work in the uh, the RPG that you're actually developing for the the Greyhorn Pagans or the Tribe? Uh, it, in Greyhorn, the RPG, I do have a a, a very similar character. Um, this one though, I'm I'm not really. Like he's going to be part of the initial adventure, but then everything after that, you know, because this is going to be a very expansive and sprawling world. I mean, yeah. you've got three continents here. You've got you've got Thula, which is going to be uh, sort of like an analog for current uh, current day Scandinavia. You've got Hyperborea, which is going to encompass all of Europe on a mythical scale, and then you've got Lemuria which its central city is Atlantis. And that's going to be out in the Atlantic Ocean. And this is going to be before it sank. So not you're not going to recognize a lot of this. You know, it's you're not going to recognize where France ends and where uh like say Belgium begins. You'll just have to kind of figure it out, you know, through the languages you go through, which they're all going to be common languages, but we'll, we'll you know that's something we'll figure out but uh he is going to this character this sort of evil wizard i'm putting that in quotations right now he's mm-hmm. going to be part of something much larger the thing is i don't want to i don't want to build like this huge overarching uh mythos just yet because i don't want players to feel railroaded what i mean by that is i don't want you to have to live out some novel you know, I want the players and the uh, the head of the table, the game master here, to work in unison to tell their own stories. And where I'm really going to be drawing a lot from is a lot of folklore. So a lot of folklore native to that, um, you know, con- continental Europe as a whole. Yeah. And then, of course, the stories of uh, Lemuria, Atlantis, so on and so forth. And the reason I wanted to do that was because initially... Initially with Greyhorn, I thought, you know, these kinds of ancestral studies that we're doing are are really great. But what if we could, you know, kind of entice more people to kind of come in and do that for themselves, for their own culture? So uh, right now I can tell you uh, John Torres, the guy who wrote Cowpunchers, which is an excellent Western game, by the way. And yes, there Mm -hmm. are... RPG based on westerns, and you can go anywhere with it. It's really That's cool. cool. That's cool. I, 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 yeah. I mean, if if you get a chance, check it out. It's on Drive Through RPG. It's really awesome. Uh, I I bought it. I checked it out. I was like, this is amazing. This <laughs> is really amazing. You could you could tell like a Clint Eastwood spaghetti western, or you could go like Stephen King's The Dark Tower with it. Which, if you've never read it, uh, I recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have, oh, I have, um, I have the books. Uh, I have read. Yeah, so I think good. Two, two of them started in the third. I don't have the set complete, but that's that's cool. That's cool. So yeah, you're also drawing from the more um, 
let's say more metaphysical occult aspects of mm -hmm. those um, those stories, those those continents, our our ancestry. Yeah, and um, where I really kind of wanted it to focus was, and this was something that just kind of came up one day as I was looking through all this stuff, and I'm do and I'm looking at like you know, just pieces of interpretive lore here and there, I realized I got an $8 book from Barnes & Noble sitting on my shelf, and I took it down, and I started reading it. And I was like, these fairy tales that we've talked about, the, the things that I love, I love them a lot. Mm -hmm. These bits of folklore, those are super important. And they're more important than anything, and I'll tell you why. What Disney has done, nobody understands this, but Disney has done something more insidious than we could have ever imagined. And it's our fault. Because when they took these these bits of folklore and adapted them for, for the screen, yeah, they sanitized them. I mean, sanitized yeah. them all to hell. They, they made them suitable, digestible for children, and in, in that way, you have to sanitize it but uh, right i guess that would take away a lot from the uh from the fairy tales and the um the impact it had especially back when they were um when they were written when they were really dead, so to speak right when they when these were collected um they were stories that people used especially in northern europe at the time these were stories that people used in order to kind of retell the stories of the gods through human perspective so that they wouldn't be killed for doing it. I mean, remember, at one point, if you, if you were found with, like, an altar like mine in your house, you were getting killed. That, that was it. And yeah, chances no, are your, your children were getting snatched up and taken up by the church and that sort of thing. And it was just – it was not a good position to be in, so – you know, with anything being taboo again, you don't eradicate it. You just kind of force it to kind of go under the under the radar, and that's exactly what these folk tales did. They yeah. they made them go under the radar. So preserving those folk tales really meant a lot because that, to me, was like that's the real gateway. That's the one thing you don't want to lose. So before those get canceled or sanitized to the point where people look at Cinderella and they don't understand there's a lot of brutality in that story. All you oh, see yeah. is what Disney produced. All and now you see what Amazon produced and it's like, oh no. Uh, with, because especially with like the new Lord of the Rings or whatever. Oh. I don't well, I don't believe they even have the the rights to the um, to the story or whatever. They just created their own and are calling it the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and uh, I'm not watching it. I, I have all three extended editions. I've read the books, uh, lost those in my move up here, so yeah. still got a still haven't gotten around to getting those books. But um, the uh, the insidious nature of sanitizing that folklore was a complete disconnection from uh, our identity. And it doesn't matter where those folk yeah. where those folk tales come from. It doesn't matter whether it's Europe, uh, Asia, Africa, so on and so forth. 
it disconnected people from their identity and it's a long game to play yeah but it's there and i think yoshi yoshitani i've got to give her a lot of credit because she's the one that made that little that little uh that little Dagos moment for me where it dawned on me uh, mm -hmm. because I love her tarot deck, uh, Tarot of the Divine, which all the cards, all 78 cards are from one of those stories, whether it's Arthur and his knights. Oh, um, yeah. I've, I've so, seen so you a, use that deck in your, um, in your videos. It's, yep. uh, it's a beautiful deck for sure. It's yeah. And, and believe it or not, it was a, from my boss and, she just reconnected me right away with those. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I had forgotten long ago about my love for those kinds of stories. I mean, I grew up on those stories, you know, they mm -hmm. were, they were great. They, they whisked me off to faraway lands. They, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, just as an example, showed me it's not that giants exist, it's that they can be defeated. And that's, um, uh, that's a lesson. These little lessons, you know, I've been slowly realizing in the past few years. And that's why I'm like, you know, you, you can't beat me. You know, you might, no. you might win the battle, but you're not going to win the war. It's, it's not going to no. happen. Uh, but she wrote a companion book called Beneath the Moon. And this book, she actually states this, like she's half Japanese, like half of her family is Japanese. The other half came over on the Mayflower. So you have two oh, disparate whoa. cultures here. And she said, you know, how do you reconcile two completely different cultures? Well, it's simple. What do they share in common? A love of stories. And so she went back and collected those stories. And each story is, is condensed to like one page. So it's very easily digestible. You get to see the images from each of those stories that she uses in the tarot itself including when um, uh, Keeley actually posted this uh, sort of like image once, told the story of how the uh, raven became black and how... Yeah, the, um, the Native American story. Exa indeed. Exactly. And that's in there. So oh, that's I'm cool. like, yeah, think of how now go back, go back to what I was saying about Disney sanitizing these to the point where we're like, Oh, those are just fairy tales. We're so dismissive of the doorways to our respective yeah. cultures that it's no wonder when the TV tells us what we are, we just accept it. When the internet tells us what we are, we just accept it. And now we're at war with each other because there are some people that are like, wait, that's that's not right. That That's a lie. And they're being against what the TV and the internet and whoever may be in power told me. And exactly, just like the time that you know my catechism teachers were lying to me, and I was like, "No, that's a lie. I have the evidence right here. You're lying to us." Yeah. And of course, you know what? Rather than uh, rather than admit it. And just say there may have been things we did not consider, you know. I don't want to say it was them who sent the the rest of the kids after me, but it kind of had to come from somewhere, I'd say. So, well, they they didn't who stop knows. it either. They did. They certainly didn't. They did nothing to stop it. So, 
you know, I've seen this pattern before. I know what it looks yeah. like. The the movie has a has the same thing. So now we're we're seeing it, but it's on a much larger scale than ever before. The media now has more power than ever, and they're trying to tell you, yeah. oh, those are just fairy tales. It's like no, they're not. They are doorways to our, you know, to our cultural identities, which can make. You know, they give us common ground upon which we can build, and that's the key thing. So when you have a guy like, like John Torres, I mentioned, who is who wrote Cowpunchers, he's writing another game based on the Aztecs, and he himself is Hispanic. Oh. So he's actually going back into his old culture. He's he's pulling like a historical game together, and it's it's full of both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. There was a Western called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And he wrote a Western game. So <laughs> here we go. He's actually pulling he's pulling those three things about his own culture into a playable game that's a low magic setting and yeah, exploring. That was, that that was gonna be my uh, that was gonna be like my next question. Like in in um tabletop games, um like I'm I'm not familiar with them. I mean every bit of knowledge I have about it comes from you. Uh, but in games like Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering and, and those spin-offs and whatever, and I believe even in Pokemon there are some uh, like Japanese cultural um, stories you know, with uh, the fox with the nine tails and whatever. Uh, would you say that those are also ways that um, in which our history our, our cultural cultural history ancestral history um is preserved and can be preserved um well to answer that question i have to go back a little bit in history to where this all started because this actually started we'll say in the early 1970s with a game called Chainmail. um up till that point tabletop wargaming was kind of a, a it was a little niche hobby so mm -hmm. someone like me would collect a you know i would say like uh, oh i'm really into kind of like these uh these frankish knights because they they fascinate me so i would you know right. every so often i would purchase uh like these little figurines i would paint them i would create like you know big elaborate uh tables and then mm -hmm. I'd invite friends over with their English, their uh, you know, their uh, Danish, their you know German uh, barbarian, uh, Germanic barbarians, and we would reenact these kinds of um, these kinds of battles. And chainmail was like the definitive set of rules for that kind of wargaming. Uh, later on, it expanded into a box set similar to this. It was, mm -hmm. a, it was a white box, and it was called Dungeons & Dragons, but you had to have Chainmail, the booklet, in order to play it. And then they oh, had a couple okay. of adventures like Greyhawk and Blackmore, and it just kind of evolved from there. So these were, in an essence, telling uh, – th these were us kind of sitting around a table telling a mythological uh, version of those medieval times it it expanded it it got bigger you know um like even today there's stuff like uh like this 
this is actually the fifth edition here. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any first edition uh, books on hand. However, this massive <laughs> beast Ooh. of a book. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I'll show you the just the player. Now, if you think that's big, keep in mind, this is player's handbook, dungeon master guide and monster manual. Oh, this is what fifth edition core rules looks like. <laughs> I yeah, imagine. I think I so, think to drag that to uh, to everyone. Uh, uh, to all, and to all here's games. the here's the thing. Here's the thing. What the player actually needs is this this book, just this. Oh. So the play player's handbook is really all you really need to start. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually start on one of these little box sets here. This will run you about maybe twenty ish bucks, depending on where you look, but these don't come with like the little hero figures anymore. You have to actually purchase those separately. So you're looking at about 40 bucks just for this. It's still 50 for this. It's 50 for this Ooh. look. Just yeah. for the book. Just for the book. It is, let's see right here, 49.95 US. Mm -hmm. And that's for each book. So if you if you know where to get it, you can get it for less than that. I think uh, Amazon sells an entire set for like I don't know ninety bucks, but it's like okay. After you've gotten uh, the star set, the essentials kit, and then all three of those books, now you got to find a group. Yeah, you know with whom to play. Now, if you don't want to buy all that, twenty five bucks will get you one of these. <laughs> uh, we'll say thirty. This has uh, rules from both first and second edition. So this is actually kind of like old school. And they say this is not a game in a book. This is just a reference for the rules. Well, uh, I know people who have purchased this book and they have uh, dry erase battle mats and dice and they run, they run games out of that thing. They say they can run them for years and never have to buy another wow. book. So, but I mean, it, it's a beast. <laughs> Yeah. If you like that kind of thing, it is a beast and you will enjoy yourself all kind of ways. So, you know, that's that's something to uh, consider. But this is where the niche hobby has led and where it really blew up. And not many people understand this, where it really blew up was when the pandemic first hit and the lockdown started. Well, now what are you going to do? You're stuck at home. And yeah. really you know, like this became a family activity to a degree. And when it blew up, well, that's when you're never satisfied. We've got to cancel this, that, and the <laughs> third started really yeah. ramping it up. And uh, I could give you an example. Now they want to cancel the term dungeon master because of the word master. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, here we go. I heard, I heard you talking about that in um, in one of your latest videos, I believe. Yeah, it's, I'm like, oh, it's it's ridiculous. And it's completely it's like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, tabletop gaming, even just you know regular card games or board games, you can buy wherever. It is still a family activity. Um, oh, yeah. I know that. I know that at, um, at my parents, if we're over there for. You know, a birthday or, or the holidays or 
you know, just because it's been a while since we've seen mom and dad, like we'll play, um, we'll play games like just normal, quote unquote, normal family games or card games or whatever. But you know, it's I gotta say it's a lot better and it's a lot more fun than like all hanging in front of in front of the TV watching Netflix or Disney Plus or. Or trying to play streaming with someone thousands of miles away. Yeah, yeah. For example, you know, um, <clears throat> you know I always like that a lot better. Um, so that's that's why I'm thankful that you're, uh, well, at least teaching me, teaching the tribe, teaching everyone who's listening about um, about all of this because it's it's really something that's not done anymore right the the rise of streaming services especially oh definitely and the thing the thing about um this does this really preserve culture i think it does and there's a reason i say that it's because in i don't remember if it's first edition or second edition but i do have the uh, pdf of it they Mm -hmm. they have a book full of real world authentic you know gods from different cultures so they even had the norse pantheon in there they had some from the celtic pantheon in there and i was i was blown away by what i was reading and i i went through this book about two or three times when i had a break at work i was on my phone going through this going my goodness some of this is pretty accurate and is it perfect no but really what they could compact into that one little book was amazing and for all the parents and the the groups that were worried about you know they're take they're taking our kids back into paganism okay fair point yeah. with that book yeah fair point but um how many of them were just using those gods in their games and then calling it a day and then attending church on sunday you know there there is that but i know for a fact if you know looking at looking at them you know some people are just going to play it as a game these are characters that the dm will use in the game does it preserve culture in some ways yes and others not so much we have a little bit too much of a disconnect right now to really make that claim yeah um, unless unless you're varg vikerness who is like oh yeah i'm out to promote european european paganism but the problem with varg is he you know, as much reading as he's undoubtedly done, he's gone off the rails with some of these some of these uh, gods. I'm like, where are you getting this information? Yeah, everything is um, symbolic. You know, it's not it's never literally. You know, it's always something else, and always coming down to um, reproductive stuff. So to speak, and yeah. you know, the reproductive organs and whatever. And I'm, you know, I mean, some examples I can see how you could interpret that, but you know, that, that does not mean that everything is like that. I mean, yeah, there there are different energies, and yeah. But what What's uh, really funny is Varg. All Varg ever really had to do was look at the Eddas. They, uh, I know. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's uh, Nori Sterlison's Edda. 
the the prosetta that he put together he actually put together like the entire parentage the entire family tree of the those norse gods all he had to do was look there and he'd have realized half of the stuff that was in his uh like thor example he got he got that parentage all wrong o odin's his father yes but it was um his his mother was like an earth giant and he completely got that that wrong and i'm like okay, really Raven. this is where you're gonna go with it okay strange we have a uh, very unstable connection so i missed part of it all right wh wh where'd you miss um <laughs> about everything uh about you. okay you so, um just you started kinda... with yeah, like Varg uh, only had to uh, to look at the Eddas and from their connections yeah. based. Yeah, okay, so um, just as an example, Thor's parentage, he claims, was, as a matter of fact, my book is over there. No, never mind. But uh, he gets the parentage wrong, namely in Thor's mother. Um, mm -hmm. he, he gets it right that, you know, Thor is Odin's son, but Thor's mother was an was an Earth Jotun, so yeah. he gets that complete. He get he got it completely wrong. I think we discussed it one time. I was actually looking through the book and just looking at it, going, "Where where's he getting this information?" Another mm -hmm. one of Varg's huge faults with this game is when people claim that it is that it's a racist game. Um, he How? in a one of his videos. He went, um, that's ridiculous. You know, people I'm talking about have fangs. How many people do you know have fangs? Well, if I go to New Orleans, I can show you a few, but, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what he's talking about are the commissions, and the commissions, as he describes them, are unscrupulous merchants, pirates, and raiders, and things like that, and the way he describes them okay they're they're a race in this this world he's built however yeah he's also using thula as a as an analog for norway i don't think it's such a stretch to say that the commissions are an analog for arabs or Sem semitic people i don't or think that's phoenicians. such a stretch sounds Sounds or like or Phoenicians, me. yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You, uh, so you I may don't... need to reset your uh, your, your camera because you're still stuck. I didn't want to uh, want to interrupt you. Oh no. Okay. Let me uh let me just let me cut and come back. Ah, uh, first podcast always. <laughs> Oops, uh, there we go. Okay. Now. I'm yeah. Back. Okay. Awesome. So when he's when he's talking about the commissions. They are definitely, to me, it's not where my mind went. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not that. It's, you know, it's one-to-one -one here. I don't think it's that far of a stretch. I mean, I, I, so, I get what um, what his well, opponents, I, I get what they were, uh, what group of people they're thinking about. You know, yeah. also uh, also a merchant class, and um, I believe yeah, um, going all the way back to history, like they are related to the Phoenicians, but you know, just because it sounds 
that way and because that's where your mind goes does not mm -hmm. mean that it is that way and uh, it's that's a thing true. that people nowadays don't well don't want to understand actually they just oh, no, they, they want to be right that that is true and i'll give you an example from uh this book the monster manual of uh dungeons and dragons this is um thankfully these are alphabetized and this this is a book of nothing but the monsters that you'll face so plenty of dragons plenty of uh i want to see if one thing is in here like i don't think they are dragons no okay so Drogir is not in here yet. Oh, that would um, be cool, Yeah, but here's here's something. Uh, drow elves. Tens of thousands of years ago, the elves were divided with those of benevolent disposition, battling those who were selfish and cruel. The war yeah. among elvenkind ended when the el when the good elves banished their malevolent kin to the subterranean depths. Here in the lightless caverns and endless warrens of twisting passages. The dark elves, the drow, found refuge. They also found leadership in the only elven deity who had not forsaken them. At her command, the dark elves built an empire in the underworld. And that um that deity was Loth, a um spider queen or demon queen of spiders. So uh -huh. these these are an evil race of characters. And yeah. because I mean, you can you can see how they're depicted here. That's what they that's what they look like. You know, very 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 dark skinned elves with white hair. Um, just well, you know, then, they they are like they are so maybe Amazon they're uh, then maybe Amazon they're elves uh, they're uh, well POC elves or whatever you know maybe they are mm -hmm. legit and he's just portraying them as the wrong kind or they're portraying them as the wrong kind but what's really interesting is when you get to the orcs the orcs have been the biggest and most controversial um of the of the groups here and here's why in the description mm -hmm. it says orcs are savage raiders and pillagers with stooped postures, low foreheads, and piggish faces, with prominent low canines that resemble tusks. They worship Grumsh, the mightiest of the orc deities and their creator. The orcs believe that in the ancient days, the orcs gathered to divide the world among their followers. When Grumsh claimed the mountains, he learned they had been taken by the dwarves. He laid claim to the forest, but those had been settled by the elves. Every place that Grimsh wanted had already been claimed. The other gods laughed at him, but he responded with a furious bellow. Grasping his mighty spear, he laid waste to the mountains, set the forest aflame, and carved great furrows in the fields. Such was the role of the orcs, he proclaimed, to take and destroy all that the other races would deny them. To this day, the orcs wage an endless war on humans, elves, dwarfs, and other folk. Orcs hold a particular hatred for elves, the elven god, Corellin Larithian, half-blinded Grumsh with a well-placed arrow to the orc god's eye. Since then, the, orc, the orcs have taken particular joy in slaughtering elves, turning his injury into a baleful <laughs> gift. Grumsh grants divine might to any champion who willingly plucks out one of its eyes in his honor. And they have tribes, they have all this kind of other stuff, but 
because of their description, mm -hmm. which no D and D player has ever done this to my knowledge. At least mm -hmm. none at my table. When orc like orcs were just kind of like, okay, so they're just big dumb beasts. You know, that, yeah, that's kind of how we. Yeah, how they the sound like. Yeah, the, they're big dumb beasts, <laughs> which the never satisfied, always wanting to take, 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 take woke scolds have come in and said, those are an analog for black people. And I'm like, that's where your mind went? But isn't wow. that racist on their part? It is. It's very much what, so. Like, what I'm seeing in, in my mind's eyes is just, oh, you're basic, dumb, ugly, beast you know with created by a god who's bent on revenge yeah i mean to say that's a that's an allegory for for black people like uh, i mean come on you know i i don't <laughs> i don't i don't see that like how how do you figure that how do you exactly like, where and... where is the comparison like where where did it go wrong <laughs> right like where how how did you make that connection you know and th there are even there are even uh people i know who are people of color and you know especially black people they're like that's the first place their minds went where where the orcs are an analog for us <laughs> what the hell are they talking about and i'm like you got me i have no idea you know like n no oh, because man. Yeah, and I, I've had people from just, I've played with people from all walks of life. As a matter of mm -hmm. fact, playing Vampire the Masquerade, I knew a black guy who liked playing a female character. And I just kind of like, we were outside on my porch smoking a cigarette one night, and I was like, hey, um, I, I've been meaning to ask you, why a female character? And he's like, dude, when you're in the job I'm in, sometimes you just want to get completely away from yourself and i was like oh really what are, what are you in and it turns out he and i were both in security jobs and i was like oh uh, that makes sense okay yeah i got you I'm, i won't ask anymore totally cool and believe it or not he his character was the one who had a one night stand with my character turned him and now my character was trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with me because oh, <laughs> he, he was fucking clueless. What? Ah, why is why is the sunlight hurt more than usual? Jeez, what the fuck is happening? So, you know, it, it led it led to some benefits to my character, led some benefits to his character, but we yeah. had a great time, and we we had a great uh we had a great guy running that game. I'm taking most of my style <laughs> after him because his style was awesome and I loved it. But, um these kinds of components like when you when i showed you that beast of a book there that rule cyclopedia um yeah. there there's a reason it still exists thank goodness it was because uh and here we go with a little more history um in the 90s tsr the the company that put dungeons and dragons out on the market uh was starting to fail they were about to go under and they were going under because another company, you might have heard of them, they put out this game that, you know, all these kids were starting to buy and play. This this little game called Magic the Gathering. The company is called Wizards of the Coast. You might have heard of them. 
Um, they they got big fast, and they were making money just hand over fist. So uh, TSR decided to make its own collectible game, which did not do well. I still have some pieces from it. It didn't do well. TSR is about to go under. Wizards came in and bought them. They bought everything. We're talking the the intellectual properties, characters from the novels, which uh, there there are some no, uh, like Greyhawk and Dragonlance novels here in my home. Um, just all anything and everything TSR had, they bought it all. And it was a little while before we actually got anything. And they released uh, D&D 3.0 or uh, 3rd edition, uh, mm-hmm. which eh, was okay. I guess it was okay. I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of people hated it, but when it, once it went to 3.5, where they made some rule revisions, then it started moving a little better. 4th um, edition, it's called the video, the tabletop video game because they had to compete with video games. D and D was losing big time, and they tried to make it like a tabletop tactical video game, which didn't sit well with most. But um, they vaulted everything else. Yeah, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast vaulted it all. I guess with the uh, with the mindset, well, if Disney can do it, we can do it. They vaulted it all, and now like. Books like that rule cyclopedia that were there before TSR went went out of business, that was a collector's item. Just like many of the second edition and first edition, uh, the little box sets, they're all, like that collector's item market is still pretty hot. But now there's a new problem. Anyone who buys the new game, plays it, and hates it, well, you're kind of stuck with it. So Matthew Finch, thank goodness for him, comes up with Osric, which is Old School Resource and Index Companion. And this is a book that's probably about like that thick. Sure. But in this in this book is the rules for like first, second, uh, you know, those kind of like all the old school stuff. He compiles it. It is a player's handbook, dungeon master guide, and monster manual all wrapped up into one and this was where people were like you know thank goodness now we now we've got our old school game back only wizards was like you can't do that and they took them to court and sued them and what came out of that remember you telling me that yeah yeah what came out of that was the uh the ruling was um you know, wizards tried to say that they were caught, they were trade uh, infringing trademarks, and mm-hmm. of course, this is where back during TSR's days, TSR was like, okay, how do we keep from like paying professional writers? So they issued the open gaming license, and they said you can use all these rules and create your own adventures, send them to us, and we will publish them. We'll put your name, we'll credit you with the creation. And, you know, they had that little open gaming deal worked out. Well, when Wizards bought it, I guess that was one of those oversights. And (laughs) um, 
and the attorneys for Osric were like, well, under the open, did they ever, you know, revoke the open gaming license? Because that, that's still a thing. I mean, they own it, but the people here at Osric have not used any trademark terms. The rules oh. are not trademarked. The rules cannot be copyrighted. The terms can be trademarked, but Osric has not used any of those terms. And we've gone through that book with a fine-tooth comb. So, yeah. and the reason Wizards did that was because they knew they released kind of a crappy product, and they didn't care. Because they were like, hey, you want to play D&D? Got to talk to us. But when people start flocking to Osric, they're like, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. we got to stop that. You know, they wanted, <laughs> they wanted you and me to have no choice but them, and we're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like any major company. Um, yeah, right, right. So, you know, look at our great thing. Oh, where, where are you going? Where, oh, whoa, hey, 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 great thing. Where are you going? You know, that kind of thing. And it's like, no, your game is shit. So, uh, but anyway, they uh, they were presented with an option. And it was, you want if you don't want that overtaking your business model, you can either release what you have and make some money off of it, or these guys can make money off of it. Your choice, because that open gaming license still stands. Well, they took the money. Now, whenever you go to like drive-through RPG and you purchase, um, whether it's PDF or hard copy of the classic stuff, mm-hmm. you've got the uh, the nice little. Well, the this product. Um, this product may have themes that we don't really agree with today, and we're striving every day to be better. It's like so nice way still, to let your players still trying to distance themselves from it because still they're try- so bustered over it. <laughs> and what Osric produced, um, I don't know. This is like a chicken and egg kind of thing. Who came first? I really don't know. What I can show you though is okay, so 30 bucks. Not I would I recommend this? Absolutely. This I would recommend for anyone who wants to play old school DD. This, there you go. Um, I would still recommend fifth edition. Is stop at the core rules in the box sets though. I, I really mm-hmm. wouldn't purchase any uh games from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, because lately, uh, I'll tell you this much, they've come out with a new one called Radiant Citadel, and there is no conflict in the hub of Radiant Citadel. Okay. Uh, some of the adventures are based on cooking shows, I kid you not. Cooking shows? I was shows. just like, I, I'm serious. I, I'm 100% dead serious. Like, in fact, one of the- Gordon Ramsay walking around, or- Oh my God, I, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, oh, but one of them, brother. you have to kill these, you have to kill these predatory prawns and then prawn patties out of them. It's like a big competition. And I'm like, what? Another adventure. Hey, that's what I wonder. Another one was yeah. uh, based based on some other kind of thing. I'm. It, it was, it gives me a headache thinking about it, but I thought, there's only one way I'm spending 50 to 60 bucks on this book, and that's to do a Twitch stream parody of it 
So yes, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay as a barbarian, you know, why did that prawn cross the cross the river? You didn't fucking cook it, and he just cuts off the chef's head right then and there, you know, and he turns and looks and you know yanks their tunic off and you know give me back this tunic and fuck off you know he kicks them into the river and just carries their head with him are you sure that's role playing because i see gordon ramsay (laughs) doing that just for real you know (laughs) right you know you've been eliminated give me the tunic and fuck off you know there's another head you know, it's all they're all decorating oh, this fucking, <laughs> fucking set. It's not happening in the hub. It's allowed. You know, so I, I think oh, there man. there is that. But what, what Osric did, uh what that what that case did was it gave us a whole bunch of stuff. And like I said, we're talking like fifty bucks for or thirty bucks for the rule cyclopedia, which mm-hmm. Is complete old school rules, old school monsters, old school weapons, everything. Um, let's see. If you going without the figures, you get the essential and starter kit for like forty bucks, and like a hundred and fifty for the two books. So you're looking at almost two hundred dollars just to get the core set for D and D, fifth edition. Damn. Or you can go thirty bucks for that one book, which I recommend. Or there's um there are books like this, and these are the mm-hmm. same book. Uh, white box. I mean, look how small that little that little guy yeah. is. It's yeah. This is not a beast. This is based on the 1970s, uh, late 70s version of Dungeons and Dragons, and it comes in like three oh. different covers. I love this cover because it reminds so- me of old school art. Yeah, so, so the old school, old school D and D game—that's cool. Yeah, so it, but you can't call it Dungeons and Dragons. That's the thing—you can't use the term Dungeon Master in a live stream, especially when playing these because mm-hmm. those are trademarked. So none of the trademark oh. terms are sitting in this; only the rules. So, like, uh, just with White Box alone, I've created a. I was able to do this, and this is. Something I like to show off. Let me show you how simple character creation can really be in these old school games. And I'm not even really done with it yet, but my character sheet's an index card. Okay. Yeah. So I still got to get them equipment and everything, but there's that. And this is the third uh, cover right here. So a bunch of uh, a, a party fighting lizard people. That's very cool. So... The other thing I'll show you, that those books, by the way, you're talking maybe about five bucks. Oh, whoa, so, that's, that's a good deal for much information uh, and old school information you know, at that. I think I paid about $4.25 for this guy. So hmm. there will be barriers to entry. <laughs> <laughs> Barriers to entry, super low. There's also one of, this is the one I've been kind of saving here. Okay, so you can get, let me show you what you can get for about 60 bucks. Are you ready for this? Sure. Okay. People, get ready to get your mind blown because (laughs) I'm going to show you everything you can get for $60 on Amazon. And guess what? These books are sold at cost. They are not expensive. 
it's just mm. a lot of them and there are more coming and believe me i'm going to be buying those too there you go whoa that's a good stack how many are those 14 14 for 50, 14 50, 60, 60 bucks was it 60 bucks yeah 14 Dude, books you're... 60 bucks and guess what if you don't want to pay the 60 bucks the pdfs are free you're paying under um, five dollars a book uh this book this is the core rule book for basic fantasy it cost me about five and a half bucks and wow. again it's That's... not not that thick as a matter of fact if you really wanted to go like if you really wanted to like show off mm -hmm. get yourself the hardcover oh yeah yeah of course now okay because hey guess what dnd's books are hardcover okay you want hardcover we got hardcover guess what hardcover is 14 15 dollars that's still such a good deal it is you're going to be waiting about maybe a couple weeks but um it's it's worth it it's very nice though amazon does like to pack it in just about anything so i've got some dings on day one i just got this yesterday but still um it's this is there's a difference though um with drive through rpg and lulu you're probably going to hit something like this where it's basically a soft cover glued into mm -hmm. a hard cover that's okay uh, it still works it still yeah, works okay. i'm not not fussing this son of a bitch is stitched you can tell this is no hardcover or this is no uh soft cover just glued into a hardcover this thing is actually done so that's, this is yeah, that's actually good handiwork that is very that's very good quality and for the price you're paying it's like i said it's such an easy read and i enjoy yeah. going through it picking through it and just finding new stuff um as a matter of fact uh those who watch uh the live streams we do on on high nose will remember moots moots is uh, of course my tarot student who's really come a long way in a very very short period of time love her to death she's one of my best friends i sent her the pdf of mm -hmm. this game because uh, we're about to do the Morgan's Fork campaign, which is, let me see if I can find it in here. Ah, uh, there's field guy, here it is. This guy, this campaign right here, and you uh, can see it is not, not thick at all. No. But this is the, this is the adventure we're about to do, and here's the, here's the killer part. Every book has this. It says, don't buy this book. Okay. Because it directs you to the website, which is right there at the bottom of the page. Mm -hmm. And it tells you, go there and get the PDF for free. So guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only game system <laughs> I've seen in my life where and Chris Gonnerman, you know, bless him, keep that man. He is a he is a credit to tabletop RPGs. I love him to death. And I've only ever spoken to him on Twitter, maybe couple times he's, he's been really pleasant very patient with me uh let me pick pick his brain kind of ad nauseum on it and i'm thankful for that <laughs> hence why i am using the basic fantasy rules for Greyhorn because 
as he put it, it's open source. So I love open source. Yeah, and could you? I was like, um, God. could you tell us more about that? Like the the Greyhorn tabletop, how that came to be. What have you, what you have done so far? Because I know you've been working hard on it um, behind the scenes mostly, and um, like posting some things in the in the tribe here and there when there's big progress. But yeah, um, just tell us now. Um. I've actually been working on a, on like a, just a world map of Thula itself, and it will have an island just off of it or a small chain of them. Um, so Thula is going to be the northernmost region of this world. As you go further south, then Hyperborea, I got a, that map next. Then Lemuria. Lemuria is going to be kind of strange because it's going to be... Um, well, I, I hate to say highly technological. We'll say high magic. A lot of high magic is going to come out of this. And it's going to yeah, seem okay. very sleek and very, very technological. But it's going to have its issues. Like, it seems like a paradise on Earth. And that's why everybody wants to go there. But it has mm -hmm. some underlying issues which are, which are going to be kind of killing it. Um, Hyperborea itself uh, is going to be much like Robert E. Howard um, Tales of Conan, where you have a lot of kingdoms just over the big sprawling land, and you will see characters from other lands outside of Hyperborea. You will hear stories about their lands. Um, <clears throat> but more or less, it's it's going to be that sort of like medieval, medieval Europe, sort of the Dark Ages almost, where it, it was a very, mm -hmm. very barbaric time. You're going to have cities where it's it's sprawling civilizations, but there's going to be problems, naturally. Yeah. Um, and because anytime you have this abundance and this, this very rich city with very powerful monarchs, well, there's going to be some, there's going to be something under the surface that's rotting away. And it's and it's gonna uh, draw yeah. in all kinds of people, all kinds of folk, all of kinds. Course. You know, yeah. every everyone needs a taste of it. Uh, well, you're gonna have the people who are seeing their opportunists, and they want to exploit that. And you have people who are gonna want to save uh, these kingdoms as well. You're gonna have barbarians. You're gonna have, um, you know, cults. You're gonna have all kinds of stuff in there. Oh, cool. uh, sim similarly uh, to Thula, Thula is not going to be true to the legends, because in the legends from Pliny the Elder, it was just one island, and a lot of people have a tendency to think it might be Iceland he, he landed on, and it would make yeah. a lot of sense if it was. I, I've heard stories about it, some videos about it. It's, it's interesting, for sure. Yeah, now... I've uh, kept some notes. I've been kind of like mulling over things just as I'm like, there are days while I'm at work where I'm not talking, I'm not joking around. It's because I've got this on my mind and I am just running yeah. over things. Um, <clears throat> what I really want to do is I want to incorporate all nine worlds, if I can, into this one, you know, continent here. And I want the players to be able to explore, you know, Alfheim, Spotterheim, um, Jotunheim, uh, Muspelheim, uh, I mean, a world of fire, you know, 
the very model for Mustafar in Star Wars. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, Niflheim, Niflheim, the land of ice. You know, primordial stuff like ice, that. Primordial fire. Yeah. Oh, that that would go. be yeah. so epic. That would be so <clears> cool. <throat> And think of think of what happens when your humans in Thula meet a dwarf and an elf, and they're like, "Whoa, holy shit!" Because that that's going there will be that the culture shock element because they've only heard stories. You know, now these stories ah. are true, and they're staring them in the face. And a halfling, holy shit! What what do they make of that? You know, well, yeah. he's not from there. You know, he's he's from down in the shires of hyperborea you know there, there's a little place where they've settled and he just wasn't happy being there and reading his books and drinking his tea he brought he wanted a little more and i was like you know imagine like a, a dane seeing that and going oh oh fuck what now holy yeah. shit you know it, he's he's met with you know, this beautiful very elegant, very slender elf that he's going to underestimate because they're not big and strong. He's going to see the dwarf and think, this is a miniature version of us. And he's going to see that halfling who's even shorter at about three and a half feet max. Three and a half feet is like having standing me standing next to Scott Hall, who was like six nine. And not many people know that. Yeah. Now there's that three and a half foot to th uh, three foot halfling uh, standing there, and now they have, you know, of course maybe these three cultures knew about him, but he didn't know about them. And it's like, oh wow, what do we? How do we, you know, how do we reconcile this now? Because we have to work together, you know. Yeah. Well, he's gonna, you know, everybody's gonna have to recognize in that party. Okay, well, you know. The big Dane over here with the uh, with the two bearded war axes. The guy's a badass. He he does not back down for a fight. He's stout of heart. That's awesome. You know the dwarf's gonna love that. The yeah. uh, half, you know, he's gonna, you know, he's in the middle of a battle. Suddenly, where's the where's the fucking halfling? Well, he ran. You know, he kind of made his way around. Now he's assassinating that big thing standing in front of him. At least he's buying some time. <laughs> And the the dwarf, you know, he's gonna love the dwarf because the dwarf can make a stout friggin' ale, you know, on top of his stout friggin' heart. And then there's the uh, the elf who's just like he's already shot out both the eyes of that monster before the monster had a chance to really bear down on him. And now the monster's <laughs> fighting blind. So it's like, okay, well, we're all badass in some way or another. Um, you know, how can we use that now? Now the party can plan. And that sort of thing. So it's going to be about a mix of cultures having to kind of find where they have common ground, where they can build, and how they can become legendary. And that's really the key part of it because we're going to not only explore that, that it's a game that's going to bring people together because it's one thing that we all have in common. We love stories. And if you really want yeah. a good example that I've got, I've got two right now. Uh, Greg Lambert. He created something very similar called the Chronicles of Iris. And I'll be honest with you, in all my years of playing D&D, I never, ever once considered playing rat folk who are about as tall as a dwarf. Okay. I've never considered that. But I read through Shadows of Padfoot Alley and 
Chronicles of Iris, which he's actually sending me the books. He's sending me like physical copies. I read the PDFs. Hey. He's sending me physical copies. I was like, yeah, Dude, that's nice. awesome. That's awesome, man. Oh yeah, it's, it's great. And I'll, you know, if, if the chance comes up, I will actually do another podcast where I'll show those books off too. It's just a shame I don't have them yet, but it, it's fine. Oh, they're on the way, dude. and that Hell that yeah. makes me like. <clears throat> so, uh, playing Rat Folk, you know, these are small but very, uh, very proud race. You know, they they're they're tough. They're not anything mm-hmm. to be played around with. You know, you know. So if a barbarian walks into a to a hall full of rat folk and he's he's looking around like you know barely anyone ha- uh taller than the halfling you know you got that one who's on a cane he stands up he starts giving them the you know you don't know squat about my david kind of a speech from independence day you know yeah, that yeah. that's one of those kind of scenarios <laughs> that sparked in my imagination i was like wow i could i could really go places with this so that made me reconsider the type of character i play and he's also got the doom that came to Astrius, which is going to be very brutal, dark, gritty, sword and sorcery straight out of Robert E. Howard, Conan the Barbarian. It's going to be bloody. You know, uh, <laughs> Iris is a very bright and beautiful land. Astrius is a fucking beast. And I'm like, and I backed that on Kickstarter. It's the first and only thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And... It looked so awesome. He put the trailer to metal music, and I was like, "Nice, my man, my nice. man. you got to, my, you got to." And and him being out of Georgia, I was like, "My southern brother from another mother, man. This is awesome. <laughs> I cannot wait." So if you haven't checked it out, uh, the Doom that came to Astrius or uh, the Chronicles of Iris, that's A E R E S. Check those out. You won't regret it. They're awesome. Dueling, I think it's Dueling Dragon. Uh, I'll get to the link uh, for that. Also, uh, one of my one of my dudes out in Delaware, a state, you know, next door neighbor here, Paul Public mm-hmm. Press has put out Gods of the Forbidden North for old school essentials. That is that's something I don't have. I don't have that system. Um, Basically, the only difference between this and old school essentials is nothing. Okay. They are the exact same rule set. The difference is that um, old school essentials is a little bit better organized. It has some better artwork, and you know they cleaned up a few things. They they tweaked it a bit. The problem yeah. is when it comes to availability, PDF is going to be everything. Physical books, you're waiting a while because of supply chain issues. So yeah, when yeah. it comes when it comes to availability, this has OSE kind of beat. And uh, Gods of the Forbidden North, I was like, man, if he had made that like, if he had made it systemless, or he had made it uh, for basic fantasy. I or even if, and guess what. Chronicles of Iris and uh, the Doom that came to Astrius are fifth edition adventures. So if you have D and D fifth edition, okay. give those a try. Uh, they're, in my opinion, just from the look of Chronicles of Iris, they look. It's great. It's it's really good work. Um, the Gods of the Forbidden North <laughs> looks absolutely phenomenal. 
So mm -hmm. just because I didn't back it, I didn't back it just because I don't have that system. I wanted, I want to have that system in place first, then the adventure. So that's the only reason I didn't back it, but I still 100% support it. It's an awesome game. Um, and I will say this, as just aside from the medieval fantasy stuff, there are so many other really great games out there. You don't have to just settle for medieval fantasy here. I mean, we're, that's largely what my collection is. It's largely what I talk about, but uh, mm -hmm. I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, Cyberpunk Red, I think, is a great game. It, it, it beats the hell out of that video game, let me tell you that. <laughs> well, Johnny Silverhand's still alive in this game, so, so Keanu Reeves' character is still there. Um, that's always but, a good thing. Yeah, that's a great thing. And it's set in one of the darkest timelines in cyberpunk history. Cyberpunk 2020 is still a viable game. If you want to play that, uh, that's great too. There's another game that, uh, this is one I say when you have, uh, you're having that group meeting, hey, what, what do we want to play tonight? We still want to go with that D&D campaign or that uh, BFRPG or White Box. Yeah, you know, I'm a little tired of medieval fantasy. Uh, how about we play cyberpunk? Well, I don't know. Cyberpunk doesn't have any magic. I'm feeling a little magical tonight. Guess what? Shadow Run. You got both. Nice. You got orcs, you got magic, and you've got hacking. So all of this, and guess uh, what? They even have they even have a box set too. So you can start there. This is the core rule. <laughs> Again, this is like 50 bucks and it's a beast. So get so, but I mean, look. I mean, you could tell the the artwork is pretty cool. Yeah, and man. there are earlier versions on Drive Through RPG, I imagine, if you want the older versions. Um, so Cyberpunk also, meets medieval fantasy. That's right. Those two worlds are always so vastly different. <laughs> vastly different, but they they function really well together. I mean, you can have a like a half orc guy who's a bouncer at a nightclub, you know, taking a taking a guy out of there who's been like dealing virtual drugs. Um, one of the characters that I want to play, if I ever get to play this game, it's going to be awesome because I'm going to play a, if, especially if I'm one of the players, I want this like Mickey Rourke attitude orc who loves to build custom getaway cars. You know? Oh, dude, that sounds That's like hella fun. That sounds like hella fun. I've also, <laughs> I've also got an idea for a, for like a, a Mick Mars attitude character who's a hacker who was paralyzed when a hack went wrong. And he's stuck in this motorized wheelchair now. So, I, and I call him Nikki Six Guns <laughs> tentatively. Uh, <laughs> so, gotta put that log for, for glam metal and such in there. Oh, totally. Yeah. And just the shit attitude constantly, you know, like, <laughs> God damn it, I, gotta, I gotta save your ass again. Uh, See, if you had gone into the shoot like I told you the first time, you wouldn't be in this position. Okay, see, that guard is moving that way. All right, you better fucking run or he's going to shoot your nuts off, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, this is... Attitude. Yeah, no, this is why I... Why I just, I love talking to you, because, you know, I knew nothing about tabletop role-playing or whatever. Like, I, I've seen the games i've heard about it before and 
Um, I mean, like when I was a kid, yeah, I had magic cards, but you know, pretty pictures. Um, I still have them. I still was, have. I, I, I never, I never played any of those games, you know, because I don't know, it, it was not something I was, I was interested in, and um, mm-hmm. especially on on TV in the in the cartoons, you know, whether it be like South Park or The Simpsons or whatever, the, the more popular cartoons, it's always, you know, oh, it's such a, a, a nerd thing and whatever. Well, let me ask you this, okay? And and guess what? To, to you guys in the audience right now, I'm talking to you too. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you know, all genders being equal here. Ladies, <laughs> have you ever played with Barbie dolls? Guys, have you ever played Cops and Robbers? Um cowboys uh gi joe thundercats uh masters of the universe um you know have you ever played with action figures in general ghostbusters uh the wwe action figures have you ever played with those if you have answered yes to any of those questions uh you know and i'm only listing so many for the guys because that's my reference point i don't have many for the girls i'm sorry sure (laughs) i am so sorry I'm sorry, but anyway, I want you to think of all those action figures you play with where it was good against evil, this one versus that one, or this one meeting, you know, stuff like that. Whatever the whatever those situations were in your childhood, if you played with those action figures and you played with them in a way that there were there was some kind of conflict, some kind of conflict resolution, and you know, things worked out in your mm-hmm. mind or you were actively applying your imagination congratulations you played a tabletop playing game the difference was you just didn't have a freaking book of rules to go along with it and especially if you were playing live action if you're playing live action like cowboys or uh cops and robbers or something like that then you played live action without a set of rules you just all kind of agreed that this this was going to take place you know that made sense to you all remember in my uh my old neighborhood my uh, my best friend back then he basically lived like just around the corner it was it was a couple feet and i was at his front door and we had all avengers um throughout the neighborhoods and always uh revolving around um some girl he had a uh, a crush on and like we were <laughs> saving her and whatever and you know but like throughout the neighborhood saving we had those, the princess uh, yeah yeah kind of you know i mean little, little boys so yeah saving the princess sure play, playing the tropes yeah that's, that's yeah part like, of it. i i remember we had those um those little um aluminium step scooters um so we just made our way with those like all around the neighborhoods you know if it was a more um if it was a place with a bit more shrubbery and and trees and whatever like that would be kind of the woods part or just um you know a a sandy bit would be something like the desert or whatever you know those those kind of games that you play as a kid outside and in front of the tv on a game console and no matter no matter how the real world looked your imagination filled in all the blanks yeah oh yeah i mean it was the real world but you know 
up up in our brains, it was it it was anything and everything would you know if we decided yeah. it was that it was that exactly <laughs> basically you have played a live action role playing game and um just to kind of like illustrate something else when I was saying like Shadowrun is basically like Cyberpunk meets D and D that's cool um have you know like I could tell you this much, um, especially if you if you like to do arts and crafts, this is this is your hobby because you can do that. You can make all kinds of things, and I'll just show you some of the like I didn't make these. I actually purchased these on Amazon, and this is only like just a handful of them. You don't have to have miniatures, and that's the beautiful part. But they do make these little wooden miniatures. That oh, basically yeah. two layer. Okay, this was like a freebie that they threw in, which I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." And that's laser etched wood. So wow. I've got a little archer there that I can I can throw into the game. Really, what you have is you have like um, like if you have a paladin character, you can use a token to move him around. So there's your paladin. Uh, over here is your your druid. You know. Um, Want to play Aragorn as a ranger? You can do that. You know, uh, artificers can make things. You got one of those in your part. Hey, here's your rogue or thief. Um, you know, just all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, clerics are basically like priests that come along with you. They can, uh, that's the guy you want to keep alive, you know, because he, he's yeah. your support. If you lose him, oh, fuck, the healing spells are gone. <laughs> Especially if you didn't pack any healing potions. But yeah, like a set of these, which will, I'm going to show you this. This bag is actually full. These are all the enemy villain type tokens here. Mm -hmm. A set of these, which I put into two different bags, cost me about 20 bucks on Amazon. And you can use them for basic, basic fantasy, um, Dungeons and Dragons, white box. They are systemless. So there you go. Oh, cool. Um, but you mentioned uh, like TV shows and movies and things like that. So like you know, growing up, it was for me it was Masters of the Universe, Thundercats, Silverhawks, so on and so forth. But yeah. um, I can tell you this much: I, if it's one thing I've loved since I was a teenager, it's movies like Mad Max, Death Race, things like that. And guess what? <laughs> There's a book for that shit too. Oh no and, way! That's so cool. Oh, let me tell you, I've and I've shown this off in the uh, in the tribe chat before. Uh, Hot Wheels cars, I've modified to make them look like yeah. you know death machine. Yeah. Even built a couple war rigs, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'm not quite happy with them. But that was a good start. This one takes film it, this is like a to me this is a love letter to films like mad max death race and the running man you put all those together oh, wow. you got gas yeah. now oh that's classics yeah man now if you're not good with the violence this is still a good game for families and let me tell you why because there are rules in this book that mm -hmm. you can use you go and you buy some like NASCAR stock cars. And I mean, we're talking a buck a piece. So they're not that, they're not that bad. 
uh, you can turn your table into a NASCAR speedway. You can turn your tabletop into the Indy 500, and you can use oh, the dude. exact same rules for movement to just race cars. And the, oh, dude, the crashes so cool. are still there too. Yeah, so you can still take hazard tokens. You can still uh, you can still perform those little drifts and things like that. And I mean, <laughs> if you want to turn it into like illegal street races on your on your tabletop, well, you can do that through this game. And it's, I think I oh, I think cool. I bought this for like I think this was like thirteen bucks. So it's not exactly a huge. Uh, there's not exactly a huge barrier to entry. Uh, the dice and like there are templates back here that you can you can actually print these up. Like you can, there are downloadables. You can go to the website, take these, print them, uh, cut them out, paste them to um, like paperboard, like an old uh, mm -hmm. an old cereal box. You know, you uh, can yeah. you know make yeah. your templates that way. You don't have to purchase them. What you will have to purchase are cars. And you will have to come up with like a poster board map. But if you're into crafting, you know, crafting the track can be a great thing for the family. So there's yeah. that. Also, if you like history, this one is a damn good one. And I okay. highly recommend it. And the premise of this was what sold me on it. Uh, keep in mind, I am, I am not in any way, shape, or form a... Uh, a communist, but I am a history buff, and this one, uh, just let me give you this one. Uh, there was a night bomber regiment in World War II composed entirely of women. Natural-born Soviet airwomen. These 200 women and girls flying outdated biplanes from open fields near the front lines attacked the invading German forces every night for 1,100 consecutive nights. Yeah. When they ran out of bombs, they dropped railroad tiles. Do you know what this means? They were carrying bombs where they were sitting. And they were, they would, they would get up so uh, high in the air, they would cut mm -hmm. engines, and then they would start just swooping down over, over those regiments, and they were taking bombs out and just hucking them down below. <laughs> Damn. Terrorizing, absolutely terrorizing the Nazis. The sound that the wings made as they were swooping down below uh, made the Germans call them night witches because that's when they flew and that's what they sounded like. Oh, and like shit. And like the summary of this book says, when they ran out of bombs, they dropped railroad spikes. So imagine at night you're having explosions just going off at random from an enemy you didn't hear. And then suddenly, ah, you know, you're dead. Oh, yeah, those that, that's those are nasty things, man. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So to each other, they were sisters with bonds forged in blood and terror. To the Red Army Air Force, they were an infuri infuriating feminist sideshow. To the Germans, they were simply <laughs> the night witches. Let me tell you Ooh. something. It, okay, so I want the the feminists out there to hear me and hear me well i i need you to listen to this right now if you want a group of truly empowered women who actually you know they operated they were strong they were independent and they were a force to be reckoned with hello welcome to your game right here and let me tell you this is this is a really great game i've actually kind of gone through this um 
there are some there is some pretty sensitive stuff in here so um as a matter of fact there's some quotes from um some of the former airwomen like i was glad to be in a female regiment it was easier for me because well men are men and women are women i was more comfortable and that was from maria <laughs> akalina yeah there's some uh imagine 2022 and that would be a controversial statement and well get get this one this is what i love about it there is a superhuman psychic overstrain when you are blinded by the searchlights and deafened by the explosions of anti-aircraft shells and fire all around you your concentration over the target is so intense that it results in a complete loss of your whereabouts a disorientation you can't tell the sky from the ground many crews crash that way that's another direct Ooh. quote from a name I can't pronounce <laughs> that I'm not going to try. Right <laughs> now. So, I mean, this this shows you like these women, they were flying and what infuriated the, so the, the Soviet army. They gave them the crappiest, the, like the absolute most shit planes. These were World War One <laughs> biplanes. There was no oh, jets. Yeah. They, they were given the absolute like shittiest equipment they had to ride in some of the most dangerous missions Just and the they were carrying the bombs in where they were seated i mean yeah uh, pardon my french but fuck me that's terrifying in and of itself <laughs> oh man yeah and then on, so imagine what's going through their minds and they're imposing that fear onto the invading nazi party that is fucking terrifying and many of not many of them came through that but what what did come through that they were able to tell those stories those stories were converted into this game which absolutely fascinated me upon hearing the premise that sold me on it right there love that and let me Dude. let me tell you about this uh go ahead with your question i'll i'll come back to this point in a minute you're gonna love it no it, it's it's um uh... You mentioned all those shows. Um, I'm I'm Dutch, so we we did have um, some American shows, of course. But uh, what I remember, and um, I have come across, I haven't come across a lot of people who remember it. But Biker Mice from Mars. I don't know if you Biker remember Mice that. from Mars. Yeah, uh, like I've. I've heard of it. I don't think I got into that one. I think that one that one came up when I was I think it came up when I was a teenager. I can't really be sure because like I said, I've only ever heard of it. But yeah. I thought you know, Biker Mice from Mars, that just sounds, that just no, sounds it, awesome. It was it was an epic show uh, for sure and a um, ex-girlfriend of mine with whom I moved in here, well, she moved out some odd years ago um but she was into um into drawing those um those characters and um well speaking of rpg she and some of friends of her artist friends uh, who were drawing the same things they made their own characters and their own uh their own stories um with the characters they created so come to think of it I've, I've been in touch with uh rpg in in one way or another um a lot more than i initially yeah. thought 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's 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 and... funny because there are so many different elements to just role playing and role playing games, and you know you can take it into the whole other direction as well. Of course, if you're into that. Kind of exactly. <laughs> and one of the one of the like most disappointing things to hear these days, especially like I mentioned, uh, whenever you buy a book like the Rule Cyclopedia here, which I mean, Jesus, look at that artwork. That artwork yeah. is badass. And this is from 1990. And even artwork like this is starting to go by the wayside. And this is this is yeah. still pretty good. I still love stuff like that. But one of the most disappointing things that's made its way into D and D is this. Um, this, uh, how can I put this? It, it, safety tools. And let me explain wow. this for a minute. And I might have explained this. And I, 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 in fact, I think we've we've talked about it before one one. Safety tools. And I'm going to tell you where it came from, and it's going to be a rather surprising source. Um, safety tools are basic. It's basically like this sheet. And what what these people want uh, me to do as a as a dungeon master or game master is hand everyone one of these sheets, and it will list all these triggers oh. on it. And yeah. whenever you check off, it's off limits to me as DM, so I am not able to introduce those elements into the uh, story or the game itself. Um, I can tell you, having looked over one of these sheets, there are a lot of them. I just I don't care to. I, I don't care. Like there have been character relationships in my D and D games before. Uh, mm. Two characters who start out hating each other or saving each other's ass constantly, and th now they're in a relationship, but they're constantly bickering, and that's the glue that holds them together. We've had that before. Um, the party disbands. Uh, they come back together, and now those two are still bickering. You know, they're still together, and they have five or six kids. Well, we know what happened. We could pretty much work out how they got kids. Sure. So, it, but putting sex into the game is not something I've ever considered. It's nothing I really – I don't think any of my players actually want that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if your character falls for another character – great uh, you know i i don't i don't even care if like one male character fell for another male character i don't care if they just have a little bromance i don't care um <laughs> two female characters fall for each other good whatever i don't sure, care yeah. it's, it's but, fancy so whatever right but rape is one of those things that's never going to come up in in my uh in my game except as something po possibly mentioned you know, just to just to kind of illustrate how evil this faction here is. You know, yeah. They, okay. So done this, more done as, that. yeah, yeah. Not nothing explicit, but things like that. I've never considered putting into the game. You know, like I said, some as like a, an illustrative piece. Nothing overt. Nothing explicit. But yeah, then there as, as part, are as part some, of the backstory to. Like you said, show them how evil they are and whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like if if this if this lich king over here has been like, you know, grabbing women for his harem, I think we could kind of work at what's going on. We don't really need yeah. to put it explicitly in there. Um, I do like to leave something to the imagination. 
Yeah, if I can outrage my players enough that their characters are outraged, they're going after that guy. That's all I'm. That's all. (laughs) You know, I'm good at that. But it just like I personally and I, I I talk about this. I have a serious phobia of snakes stemming from a childhood incident. But when I'm playing Hadrian Drago, the barbarian, someone throws me into a pit of snakes. I'm not gonna break out of the table. I'm not going to freak out on the person running the game. I'm just going to be like, um, how many are there? <laughs> are, are they afraid of anything? You know, uh, snakes. Why does it always have to be snakes? Why does it always have to be fucking, oh, asps. Oh, fuck me. You know, if it's a giant insect or insectoid, I'm not going to freak out. You know, the thing is, and this is this is what my parents taught me. Thank goodness for this. They taught me how to separate fantasy from reality. So I know, real in reality, I am sitting around a table with people I trust, people yeah. I play with, and just a just a great group of misfits here. We're yeah, gonna was... we're gonna have snacks. We're gonna have beer, maybe. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna. The most dangerous thing to me at that table is probably gonna be the fucking food. So that's real. Yeah, that was that was what I was just thinking. You know, it's it's okay because it's your character being thrown right. into the pit, and not you. Like you're still at the exactly table trying to figure out what so, your character has to do. Exactly. So I'm not thinking I'm Ragnar Lothbrok here, thrown into the pit of snakes, uh, bound yeah. up, and you know, being ready to be eaten. It's, I know, hey, maybe I've got a torch. Is there a torch that I can grab? Can I, you know, would it be worth it for me to climb something if there's anything to climb? Stuff like that. I'm going to try to figure a way out of this fucking solution, you know, or out of out of the situation. I'm going to try to figure out a solution to it yeah. and try not to get killed. So there's, there's that. And my whole take on it, and there are so many people that have tried to justify forcing its way to my table that I'm like, um, okay, here, here's what I'll do. And before I get to this, I have to tell you, this set of safety tools comes from people in the BDSM community. So bondage, dominance, sadism, masochism, shit that they're doing in the bedroom. Let me tell you, we are making, for those people who are insistent upon this, you are making an apples to oranges comparison in the bedroom doing BDSM, you are engaging in some fairly dangerous shit and you're trying to mitigate the damage while, you know, enjoying what you're doing. At a table, there's no fucking danger to you. (laughs) So stop fucking worrying. So my compromise is this. I will absolutely let you fill out one of these sheets. I, w- I will absolutely pass them out. I'll let you fill them out. Mm-hmm. But we're not gonna we're not gonna play Dungeons and Dragons. We're not gonna play Basic Fantasy. We're not gonna play White Box. We're not gonna play Shadow Run. We're gonna play this. Ten candles, okay. Yes. It so says ten, ten days ago. Oh, get ready. Oh, All yeah. right. Starting I'm just gonna give you the summary off the back of the book. These things are true. The world is dark and we're alive. Ten days ago, the world went dark. Five days ago, they came. Keep moving, don't lose hope, and stay in the light. Ten Candles is a tragic horror tabletop storytelling game played by the light of uh, ten teak light candles. 
When only one candle remains, the game enters its final scene in which all the characters will meet their end. Designed for one shot, zero prep sessions for one game master and two to five players. It includes full game rules and 17 quick start session modules in a book this small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know why I'm going to let you fill one of those out? I'm going to use it against you. <laughs> it's uh, tragic horror time, bitches. And here's the yeah. thing. I'm I'm about to be vilified by some of them, and I don't give a shit. Because to them, I'm straight, I'm white, I'm male, I'm already the villain, so fuck it. All yeah, right, sure. so <laughs> nobody – here's the thing. Uh, the sun went out. Whole world's dark. It's full dark, no stars. Technology is failing. So you can mm-hmm. set this in any time period. You can set it in your living room. You can set it in um set it in a maximum security prison if you really want to make things interesting. But lurking in the shadows is them and no one knows what they are. And I am going to wow. take everyone's little triggers and fears and phobias and I'm gonna turn they into that. Oh, you're such a bastard. And I've done it. <laughs> I'm in, yeah. So uh, oh, I man. played a session where someone's greatest phobia was clowns. So they had an armada of clowns just like popping out of the dark at them. And, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and here's the thing that I have to have to say this. If. Uh, okay, who am I that you want to share your deepest, darkest phobias to? Do do Don't. I look like a therapist? Holy Don't. shit! I should not, <laughs> I am not qualified. Obviously, oh. I am not qualified for you to share your fucking phobias with. So stop. Wow. Otherwise, this is the game we're playing. And if you don't want to play this game where your character absolutely dies at the end, along with everybody else, it's unfair. <laughs> You know, it's going to be a wild fucking night. And, you know, this is this is a really cool game. I was sold on the premise of this because, number one, uh, this and this were recommended by the uh, channel Dicebreaker. Oops, hit my uh, cord there. These were recommended by the channel Dicebreaker. And um, I, I was sold by just them mentioning the premise. I was like, there are so many places I could go with this. And when yeah. the um, when the D and D safety tools came up, I was like, "Oh, I got such a way to deal with this. You're not gonna like it, but I'm gonna comply." <laughs> Again, like I think they should compliance. also. I think they should put, um, you know, if, if if it comes from the BDSM community, they should put meatloaf on that list as well. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> I love it. I do love it. Yeah, that. well, I, I got that. Loaf. I got that from, out of hell uh, too. Yeah, man. No, I got I got that from uh, from uh, one of the jokers. I'm, I believe I'm following multiple jokers on uh, on mine. So I got that. I got that from him, and I was like, "Oh, dude, that's such a good one. It's so bad, but it's such a good one. It's so appropriate. Yeah, I love yeah, it. No, it's so good. Exactly. But oh man, just just the fact that you you need a list like that for a a tabletop role playing game for a, a fantasy game like come on if you're if you're that 
weak or woke, whatever same difference. Um, right. Just don't play. Well, uh, let's let's go back in history a little bit to where this whole satanic panic actually started. Uh, the sensational journalism that was involved back in those days. Uh, it centered around really two events. Uh, one of them, both of them were, you know, kids who were obviously not well and mm. they had serious problems. In fact, they made a, a movie out of one of them starring Tom Hanks when he was very young. And it was called Mazes and Monsters. And this is sort of like a fictional retelling uh, about a college kid who played D&D in his spare time, but he was very, very attached to the character he was playing. And when the, he had a habit of exploring like some subterranean levels, some back levels of the uh, college campus and kind of sure. getting lost in his own fantasies. And when his character died, I guess he couldn't take it, uh, him being kind of mentally disturbed and he ended up mm. killing himself. Or he he had attempted suicide before, and I'm like, uh, hello, parents, how do you not see this? There's something wrong with your kid. You need to check up yeah. on him. You know, keep an eye on him. Something's going wrong. You need to figure it out. And another incident where uh, Tina committed suicide, I guess for the same reasons, and if, if any who are watching this or listening to this um, can, uh, you know, comment, uh, you know, throw the story in the comments because it, it, it will help others understand what they're looking at. But back then, one of the key things, uh, one of the key things that was that was spoken about was, you know, those who have problems separating fantasy from reality should not be playing these games. I couldn't agree more. Now, today, yeah. we are letting those who cannot separate fantasy from reality and they're justifying it where they're overrunning the entire thing. And I'm like, why yeah. are we allow why why is this acceptable now it's because largely i think we have just we we've let the and look let me tell you something i played little league i never really did anything great in little league and i still got trophies for some oddball reason <laughs> but when i return like when i go back and i look at them i look at them briefly and then just turn my attention somewhere else they mean absolutely nothing now i realize that um kind of coming up as an adult i can tell you i have i accomplished a, a great many things no <laughs> uh, aside from that tarot channel which i'm very proud of despite it not having like millions of viewers or subscribers and that's fine give it time give it time it, get, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only a little over a year old, so I'm not really in any kind of delusions that this is going to be great and fantastic, and I'm going to be world famous. No, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I am one guy with a Sony Handy Cam doing this shit at his coffee table. I have no illusions about that. It's fine. Like I say, I don't need millions. I just need you. That's it. Yeah. And if this doesn't resonate with you, share it with someone who, who it might, because you never yeah. know. Um, but the thing is, we've let these people just overrun shit, and now we're in deep trouble because we're losing, you know, movies suck. They tried to get into yeah. metal, and they got their asses, sh they got, their asses got shown the door. 
very quickly. And I will never forget it. I was seeing a few interviews where they're like, well, metal is offensive and uh, it's, it's, not, it's not accessible. And I'm like, bitch, have you heard of Lita Ford and DeRopesh? Metal it's is supposed to been, be loud and offensive. Metal has always been for the misfits. It's always been something for for the outcasts. For the, I I hate to yeah. use this term, but for like the the fringe minority, uh, you know, right. for for the people but who it don't became fit in. massive. Exactly. Yeah, but it became massive. You know, because there and, are uh, so many people that do not fit in, especially nowadays. Think, I can't remember who said it. I want to attribute this to a former president, but I can't because I don't know for sure. But there was someone who said, oh, what, what do white people have to be angry about to make this kind of music? Uh, white, white people don't have uh, anything to be angry about. And I'm like, uh, have you guys ever heard of Seven Dust or maybe Living Color? Because... Those aren't white dudes at the four of those bands, and they're mega amazing. Um, I, I could name others. Uh, Sepultura is entirely populated by Brazilian uh, yeah. people, Brazilian descent, and they're or, fucking amazing. Um, Bloodywood, it's an Indian band that I recently discovered. Oh, I love through, Bloodywood. Uh, yeah, I discovered them actually through um, through Stevie T on uh, on YouTube because he he did a video like just looking at metal from all across the world and he came to uh, oh, yeah. it's, somebody sent him the video from um from them and dude they rock oh do they ever i i still remember the uh, video for ari 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 and oh my god that was amazing <laughs> yeah and here yeah. here's here's the one that surprised me um saudi metal bands holy shit Saudi Arabian yeah. metal. I shit you not. These guys are showing up on stage wearing like Bathory and Venom t-shirts and they are rocking the house. And I'm sitting there going, how have they been not hunted down and killed yet? Because you know that is a right? Muslim country. You know they don't tolerate any kind of religious symbolism that they haven't approved. How have these guys actually managed to like <laughs> skirt all that and get, you know, get my screen and i'm an american guy Dude. holy shit that's amazing i have to i have to respect those guys and what they do because my goodness they're under a regime that can take them out for doing that that's amazing and to me. nobody would know and nobody would know they yeah would just disappear no, but all you would have is what they put on the internet yeah but that's that's what i i love about you know about these communities, about the the metal community, the pagan community, the, the RPG community, and whatever. Like they are, um, they are the underdogs. They are the uh, the the less or not um, appreciated communities. And but those have the strongest bonds. Just you know, look at our tribe. Mm, yeah. Definitely. And here's here's the kicker to RPGs. Um, somebody is probably watching this right now, and they're I think they're probably about to tune out. And I'm going to say don't, because I got some more news for you. 
um, if you're looking at a game, if you're looking at a book like this or like uh, the D&D book I showed you, any of these other books shown off tonight, and believe, mm -hmm. believe it or not, I've shown off my entire collection, my physical collection, <laughs> I've shown off, it, with the exception of the Mifferog books that I keep around for, you know, uh, criticism purposes mostly because nobody's going to play that fucking thing with me. Um, <laughs> no matter how I homebrew that fucker, it, it's not getting played. Um, mm -hmm. What you're looking at is my entire physical collection. Now, my digital collection is way bigger, but oh, here's you, the thing. You? I know some of the so, someone is looking at these books going, you know what, as much as I would love to do it, I just I don't, I don't have anybody to play with. And I know I was in your spot. There were the games of Vampire the Masquerade I was able to play, the games of uh, what I call Backwater D&D, &D, which was the GURPS and Hero Quest mix, the games mm -hmm. of actual d and I was able to play. They were few and far between, but man, when I was able to play them, I enjoyed them. They took me away from the, you know, just like my life could have been total shit at that moment. But the minute I started playing, I was out of there. I was, you know, uh, Drago the Barbarian. I was, you know, Sir Blackman, the, yeah. the knight who was who was basically just an asshole. And I played him <laughs> because I, w I wanted to quit being a nice guy for a little while. So I played an asshole knight who we ended up with a drow in our party. And he kept telling drow jokes. So not only was he an asshole he was racist too <laughs> oh dear <laughs> and, and the thing is he and that drow the, when i said you know they they can't stand each other but they keep saving each other's ass that's where it yeah. comes from so oh, you know, nice. the the that elf couldn't stand me i couldn't stand him but we kept saving each other's ass and at the at the end of every adventure we were at the pub in a drinking contest a pissing contest literal and <laughs> it was there was always this competition between the two of them but they you know they would stick up for each other so there was yeah. an arty bunker uh redeeming value to the character so but whenever i was playing those characters i wasn't me my life wasn't shit. my life was a fucking adventure i conquered you know i conquered you know uh stone giants this that and the third and at the, you know, I've, I mean, one character had a pretty ignoble death. I'm gonna say that, but at the end, of, <laughs> at the end of that one, it was I got another character I rolled. Let me pull that one in. Uh, DM can introduce later. Here, here, let me slide you that. He gets introduced, and now we're now we're on another adventure. I'm with a party. I, I'm still with the the group of people around that virtual tabletop over Skype, playing that, and I'm not here for a little while i'm out there and when it was over i put it all away and i and i just kind of like ruminate over it and be like man that was amazing and yeah even now the problems were still there but now it was like you're my fucking dragons <laughs> and you're about to meet the warrior motherfucker you know so it yeah. was it was always to me it was always very empowering to kind of get away play that very powerful character the powers that I lacked in life, and now I come back, and it's like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, that's here we go. That's one of the things that um, that I saw right away, um, especially as you introduced me more and more to it. Um, you can be anything and everything 
you want. Like there are no rules. Yeah, there there are the rules of the game, but within those rules, everything's possible. Like you don't, you know the the and it's um as you as you tell it, it also sounds just like a um a more healthy way of escapism, like just being somewhere else, not having to deal with, you know, everyday life and the uh, the problems and the bullshit that comes with it. But, you know, instead of escaping in the destructive things, you escape in your fantasy world. And through that, um, even learning lessons you can use... Uh, in the uh, in real life, in the yeah. actual world, yeah, right. And and the thing about it is, as long as you have that good, that good divider there, there there needs to be division in the in this space. There needs to be a division of fantasy and reality. As long as you have that, as long as you know where those lines can be blurred and where they need to be solid, and that wall needs to be up at all times. As long as you have that. This stuff right here can be super empowering, and it's better than a video game because when you play with others, you play with a level of respect that, let's face it, if I play GTA Online, I'm going to run to some snot-nosed kid who's probably about maybe like, I don't know, maybe about a quarter my age you know, slinging shit at me verbally, and I'm th- the only thing I can think is, kid if i were there i would do what your parents should have and i'd take a belt to your ass and you don't want my belt you know i've had one taken to me and let me tell you i'm thankful every day for it because it kept me out of prison and it kept me out of all kinds of shit situations i want no part in but the absolute wonderful thing about it is this is something you can get into this is something anyone can get into and rather than losing yourself in booze, rather than losing yourself in drugs, rather than just sitting there and vegging out at the TV every night, mm-hmm. now you can sit with some friends once a week, once a month, whatever whatever you can manage, and you can play these. Now, I know some people are out there, they're like, I have no idea how to find a group. That's fine. Guess what? If you have just patience enough to maybe pick up, you know, you look at this book and you think that's easily digestible. You take that book, you pair it with something like this. This is the one part of my collection I haven't shown you yet. And look how mm-hmm. look how thin that fucker is. This can be your game master right here, your dungeon master, your DM. You pair it with this. You get some, uh, you get like a dry erase battle mat and some of those tiles I showed you. And now you can play this game solo. You can do that. There are other games where you don't need this supplement here. And guess what? The 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 red book is an entire system in and of itself. You can play this solo, or you can pair you can pair this with any other game, play it solo, or you can just use this if you I mean, look, there is a difference between the two books, I'm just saying. Yeah. So yeah. when you know those two differences, you can kind of decide for yourself, and these are not expensive. We're talking, I think it's like 12 bucks for this one and about 20 for this. It's not that bad. 
Um, they're really easy reads, but there's also something else. Uh, most of you don't know this, but they make games that are purely solo play. Uh, one of them is called Iron Sworn. I don't have a physical copy of that. I have the uh, PDF. It's really badass. And then there are, I actually caught this on Artichoke Dips uh, channel on YouTube. He brought this one okay. up. Okay. He just brought this book up. That's all he brought up. But then I went on Amazon and I found out it's a damn series. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I, I only bought like the first four books. But um, if anybody remembers this, I'm going to put these in front of you. And you can go look these books up. There was a book, a series of books. I think TSR released them. I think it was them. But they had a series called Choose Your Own Adventure. And you've probably seen this a time or two. If you've been like, just kind of like, Scrolling through the uh, the game aisle at Walmart, for example, there is actually a little bitty box set uh, marked "Choose Your Own Adventure," and it's based on those books. And what those books did, and TSR also released a CD uh, series called Terror Tracks. I had one of them, and what it would do is the books would give you, like, you would open it up. There's the first page to the story. There's maybe two or three more pages, and then right at the bottom, it would say, if you want to do this action, go to this page. If you want to do that action, go to that page. And you would oh, then like flip that. to that page okay. and, keep, and keep reading. Your decisions would have consequences, whether good or bad. So once you did that, these were very set. You could go back and revisit it, but you're always reading the same two or three pages at the very first of the book. So. Yeah. What Fabled Lands does is this one is truly an open sandbox. So with Choose Your Own Adventure, it was more railroading. They were taking you through a certain path. This, not so much. This, you can go anywhere, do anything. And here's the real kicker. All of these books are linked together. So nice. from, er from early on in this book, it'll take you to... Book number three, which I love this title. This title is <laughs> awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can go back to book one. From there, you can go to book four. There you can go to book two. You know, it's this is one of those things where all you need is a book, some dice, and an index card and a pencil. And Artichoke Dip on his channel mentions that there are days where he'll go out on his back deck with his coffee and this book and he'll play for like an hour and <laughs> he he finds that relaxing and i thought this is going to be great for jury duty come may 2nd <laughs> oh dear yeah oh yeah i've I, have hey ladies and gentlemen watching <laughs> this uh have you ever known a guy uh, to play while he's sitting in the bullpen waiting for selection, have you ever known someone to just break down, start playing an RPG? Well, if not, I'm going to be the fucking first. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind uh, stepping into the unknown. It's fine for me. I've done it. It's it's not that terrifying anymore. So, yeah, there just are keep there keep are an eye on the so news. You'll you'll see it come up. <laughs> yeah, you know, if suddenly that line between fantasy and reality breaks down, and you know. You know, how dare you challenge Drago? You know, and just yeah, 
he uh, thought his pencil was uh, a a bastard sword, and it got ugly. <laughs> oh, dude! I wake oh, up man. going, "What <laughs> happened? Oh, what happened, man? Ow!" Ah, uh, yeah, they whacked you across the back of the head with a taser, dude. You didn't go down after the first two shots. Yeah, so I should probably not have energy drinks before going in. I, I, in fact, I need to stay away from those entirely. It's just good personal policy. Stick to so, tea. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very much sticking to tea. I'll probably <laughs> have to take my tea on the go that morning. But there, there it is. There are there are options for solo uh, role play if you want to get into those. And if you decide that you want to go a little more in depth, you you would rather actually have miniatures. Again, this is where crafting comes into play. Right now, I'm crafting little dungeon tiles out of cardboard. So it's there are tons of channels on YouTube. There are tons of you know tutorials and things like that everywhere. There is a colossal community of people ready, willing, and able to step in and, you know, back you up. And they'll tell you, okay, if you're on a budget, here's where you can get dice super cheap. Uh, here's where, just go and get these index cards. Just go and buy, like, whatever you could get at, you know, low to low price to free. We have the resources. We will help you out. And I got to say this, if you really want real salt-of-the-earth people, Go check out um, uh, John Torres, the basic expert. He's on YouTube as well. He's got a great YouTube channel. Love it. I watch it. I'm usually there in the chat on mm-hmm. Monday nights when he's doing a live stream. Okay. Uh, at least I have been for the last two uh, last two times. Uh, all the guys that hang out in that chat also hang out in the Gilded server called the Basic Expert. It is a wonderful place. Those dudes and dudettes in there are super, super helpful with just about anything. If there's ever any criticisms that come up, it's always so constructive. You can't get away from they because they want to see you succeed. So they want you to have fun, and that's that's really yeah. what this is all about. Is just you know the primary thing. While I am while you know I'm writing gray horror and I'm constructing those worlds. While I'm getting back into sketching, and I haven't sketched a thing in 20 freaking years, while I'm doing all of that, trying to preserve like our folk tales and things like that, so maybe it makes it a little more enticing for you to do a little more research into you know who you are, who your background is. Believe it or not, if the setting is not for you, that's fine. Take the take the setting out of the equation, build your own around it. Put you know the rules are a skeleton. Flesh that sucker out however you want to. You know, go explore your own folk tales, your own culture, and then come back and show us what you got. That's what Greyhorn's going to be all about. But really, first and foremost, this thing needs to be about sitting, a, you know, sitting at a table, looking at the stuff you've built, looking at the miniatures you've painted. You know, how much work you've put into this hobby is going to show. It's going to be such a reward for you. You will never regret getting into it. And if you can't do a lot right away, just do a little. Um, Artichoke Dip shows you how to use this and this, these two books exclusively. And he yeah. shows you how to do an adventure in two hours. And it's 
I watched that entire adventure and holy shit, the big, the big realization at the end was amazing. And these are the kinds of things you can do. And let me tell you something, that PlayStation or that uh, Xbox or whatever, it's going to collect dust after a while because this is so much better. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. It's so much better. But think of think about it this way. It's about having some damn fun. Get out of your head for a minute. Actually, you know, go into a special section of your head for a little while. <laughs> you know, um, go on that imaginary adventure. You know, whatever it is, intellectually decompress for just a moment and realize that there are very empowering lessons to be learned in this. You can take them forward. Now you'll see exactly why there are certain people that just want to ruin it for everybody. The problem is, had they done this shit in the 90s, when TSR was going out and the internet was still kind of in its infancy here for most people, mm -hmm. they just succeeded. Now they can't because uh, I think one of the things, we were arguing on one in one channel's comments over orcs which we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, I've pointed out the many sources of where the orc comes from, what makes it an evil thing. And of course, I get all the really weak arguments like, you think canon doesn't change? And uh, one person uh, piped in and said, oh, yeah, that's all well and good until the core rule books change that. And then all the players. Uh, agree with that and they find your ideas distasteful and then your table struggles to exist. Okay. All right. I'm willing to accept that. If D&D 5th edition or 6th edition, whatever coming, is mm. the only thing that out there, it's not. And I think we have enough evidence around me to show that it's not. So For sure. There are, pl there are plenty of people who like this old school revival, old school renaissance kind of stuff, my table, virtual or otherwise, is not going to struggle. It was a nice attempt at demoralization, but it didn't work. I think I think the name associated with that was Destiny. Nice try. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get a little Ted Nugent here, because this shit is the most... Look... The barriers to entry have never been fucking lower. I could get that shit for free. I could get it at cost, and that's what those books are. They are at cost. I could yeah. get stuff to play solo if I can't, you know, can't get that table together. Guess what? You want to know what really makes a table suffer? Life. Because people have to work. People have to pay bills. People have to do things. And guess what? They have families to take care of, and they still show the fuck up. No, my table's not going to suffer even Yours is just going to be a little self-righteous pile of shit pricks, and that's it. <laughs> Thank you for calling. Oh, shit. Like Man, I, I, think I was going to go with Ted. I think went, that's I Ted Nugent there. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, that's perfectly fine, man. I think that's uh, the perfect way to uh, to wrap it up for now. Uh, we've been uh, we've been on for uh, two Actually, hours. Actually, if I may bring up, if I may bring up one more thing, and this is just a quick shout out, and I, I've okay. had it here on my table, but I really didn't think about this. Um, sure, go ahead. I, I, I kept looking at it. This, this is Mercanto's Lair by Tim Harper, who's also one of okay. my friends on uh, Twitter, Real Salt of the Earth guy. Uh, this is, just 
very thin. I actually had this one printed. He only offers it in PDF, but I went ahead and had it printed up and spiral bound sent to me because it was worth it. Um, mm -hmm. This particular one, it's systemless. This is a this is what he calls a mega dungeon. So it's it's a dungeon with many layers. I really wanted to shout this one out because you know I I loved him. I love his work. Uh, I can't wait to play this one. You can put it with any system. So Basic Fantasy, White Box, D&D uh, &D 5th Edition, it's all right. You can do it in any of those. And it's an absolute uh, bit of genius. It really is. And I'm like, yeah, Tim, that is brilliant work. I, you, you have every right to be proud of Paul Pumic Press. You have every right to be proud of Gods of the Forbidden North. Uh, there's also Guns Gear and Adventure by uh, one of your fellow, one of your fellow Dutchmen who's also working, uh, Victor Gorchev, who goes by the name Stay oh. Buffed Marshmallow Man. Oh, God. The, <laughs> I've, the little I've seen reveals him, of his I've work. I've seen him in the Guild server. I've seen him in the Guild server. Yeah. For, uh, yeah, yeah. The, just the, the pieces of his work that he gives out there, they're just, ah, oh, God, love it. Um, oh. All those guys in the basic expert server, uh, Greg for his work on um, Chronicles Virus and the Doom that came to Astrius, and of course Paul Pogner Press, Gods of Forbidden North. Love those guys. If there was anyone I didn't mention, believe it or not, <laughs> love your work too. I wanted to shout that out before we close because I really believe awesome. in supporting the work of others. All right, and uh, well, since you're shouting out and plugging people anyway how about you just plug some of your own stuff too like where can uh, where can people find you but um... uh you can you can find me on youtube bitshoot cloudhub rumble and odyssey um i'll warn you if you if you happen across me on cloudhub i tend to get i tend to just unite two extreme factions against me uh, <laughs> i get attacked by the fundamentalists on there, I tend to get attacked by the the woke skulls on Twitter. I'm in neither of those factions, so just a heads up: if you find me on those two spots, uh, that's that's what you're gonna see. Uh, but if you're just there to watch the videos or something like that, um, one of the things I do want to mention: if you throw me something off my drive-through RPG wish list or my Amazon wish list, you get two readings and a birthday reading. Those are personal; those are between me and you. They don't go to anyone else. I don't talk about them to anyone else. You can if you want. I never will. That's a spiritual HIPAA kind of thing. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, I'll I'll throw you all the contact info. I do have a link tree. So I'll throw you the link tree. You, you guys can just go through the link tree. Find me wherever you want. Come hang out with me. I'm, I'm more than willing to just hang out with anyone who's willing to hang out with me. It's all good. So... Um, Definitely, uh, you can definitely hang out with me in the in the tribe of the Gray Horde Pagans chat. I am there. I'm one of the mods, and uh, yeah, just you know, feel free to message me directly, indirectly, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we'll chat about whatever you want to chat about. Awesome, man. Thank you. I'll um, I'll put the the links and everything. I'll put them in the in the description, in the in the show notes, in wherever I can place them. Uh, this was uh, a enriching conversation, and uh, I feel like we can go on for another two hours, but uh, like oh, as, we you could. Have, 
uh, as you have probably noticed, it's gotten a hell of a lot darker. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow, it's like like, it's it, like three. We yeah, three hours. That's a that's a lot. Yeah, it's uh, it's past one a.m. here at the moment, and I'm already getting messages from Keely. So, <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, one more shout. One more shout out, Stein. One more. Okay, just you. one more, bro. You for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was uh it was a great time. I I do it again in a heartbeat. A heartbeat brother. We'll uh we'll we'll schedule a uh, a date for a part two. So nice. this was All right. <laughs> this was the Greyhorn Pagan Podcast with Raven Wolfgar. Bro, thank you so much. I'm gonna stop the recording here. All right. Take care everybody. Peace. Okay, that was the podcast for now. I want to thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Raven for coming on. You can find the Tribe of the Greyhorn Pagans on Minds and on Telegram. On Telegram, we can be found at t.me slash greyhornpagans on Minds. Just look up Greyhorn Pagans or look me up at Steinfox or look up Raven at Raven Wolfgar. And yeah, we'll see you next time. We'll hear you next time. Thank you all and have a good one. See ya.